0: Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What
1: is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. Great to have you here with us. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're feeling good. You're looking good got a great episode for you today. i got a couple great episodes for you this week. I'm excited to share with you. It's going to be a good time, my friends. Uh, hey, today, uh, we're going to be joined by my friend, Jason Glasby. He started a site called paleoplan.com, which basically gave recipe plans and meal plans for people that are into the paleo diet. Uh, but he has a great story about how he got into that and how it, how it kind of came to be. He's not necessarily a nutritionist or a dietitian or something or any uh, any type of chef or anything. It's just something that he saw a need in the market and something that he was into and passionate about and uh, knew there was an opportunity opportunity. opportunity there for him to create something so really cool story about how he created that in fact he talked a little bit too about how he went on to sell a part of that company as well so and also what he's up to today so really good stuff let's get into it here you go enjoy this interview with jason glassby What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by Jason Glassby, who, as uh, an entrepreneur, had his hand in a couple different things, and a company that he actually recently sold, and as well as a new company that he's working on and starting, and it's got a cool story on how he's got into what he's up to today. So, Jason, what is up, man? Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks, Grant. I appreciate it.
1: So, give us a snapshot on who you are, what you do. You've got your current business, so give us a picture of what that is with Factory, and then give us a picture of what else you've done in the past.
0: Yeah, my name is Jason Glaspie. I live in just outside of Portland, Oregon in Hood River. And I've been doing stuff on the internet for, you know, over a decade now. I've got my background in advertising, worked in ad agencies and then interactive agencies, working with big brands, building websites, telling a story online. And then I've gotten involved in the startup scene as well. I helped co-found Incubator in Portland with Widening Kennedy, a large advertising agency. Yeah. And that's called Pi. I started one startup out of that called Paleo Plan, where we helped people follow the paleo diet, and we gave them resources to do so for people who were just getting started. And then, as you said, this spring, I sold a percentage of that company. I'm still involved, but not on a day-to-day. And now I run a company called Factory, where we're a digital publishing company helping to just reimagine what publishing looks like today and not the leftovers of you know a 300 year old <laughs> legacy industry
1: right, right right who's who are having some troubles making their own shifts so you're coming in at a, a good time in that obviously so coming up you came up in the kind of the ad agency world is that something you enjoyed or something that clicked for you and resonated i guess a snapshot of what that was like when you're in kind of that season of life
0: Yeah, I was an English and journalism major in college with a focus in advertising, so I wanted to be the guy who wrote ads and came up with funny taglines and whatnot. Right. And to be honest, after I graduated, I moved to Portland, and it was kind of a tough time to get a job in this market at that time. And I just realized that all the writers I knew and ad agencies were working really hard, crazy hours, and weren't necessarily making that much money. So, But I looked at my friends who were doing interactive, and they were having a lot more fun, They were making a lot more money and they were much more consistently booked. So ah, I'll give that a shot. So I started learning some web stuff because, you know, obviously the web was pretty interesting 15 years ago. Right. It's pretty new. And from there, just kind of slowly added that to my list of things that I liked doing and found that I was a little better at the strategy part of interactive than necessarily some of the other aspects. And over the course of the past 10 years, I just slowly worked my way through different places and had a couple of really great opportunities where some people invited me to work on some projects that I had no business working on, but they didn't <laughs> necessarily take that hold that against me. And I got to work on some fun projects that were pretty big and had some big names and that just opened up more doors and just kept really being hungry for what was out there and possible.
1: Yeah how do you make that initial transition of, because I think a lot of people are in that spot where I'm doing some type of a job where I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I'm not really sure what I'd rather be doing. So for you, it sounds like you're doing the ad agency stuff. And it sounds like that kind of fell into that camp of it's okay. Uh, you know, parts of it I like, parts of it I don't like, but then you see some other stuff that's like, you know, similar vein, similar industry and want to transition there. How do you make that leap from what you know to an industry where you're, I guess, somewhat unfamiliar with?
0: Yeah. Basically, I quit my job every time I made a pretty big (laughs) transition. I just quit and crossed my fingers, which sounds much more reckless than it actually was. When I was working at a car magazine 10 years ago, and I was doing their website, and it just really became a situation where I wasn't happy any longer, and I knew that there was I certainly wasn't going to replace my entire income in a week doing freelance, but I knew that if I engaged and I worked at it, I could. And I just was really – it was one of those moments where I was just dreading going to work every day. I was upset and sick to my stomach on Sunday night just thinking about what I was going to have to endure on Monday. And I just looked at my wife and I'm like, I'm not going back. Like, I'm going to quit. I'll put in my notice, but this has to end. Like, I can't <laughs> be sick to my stomach about a job. I'd rather be poor. And so I just quit, and I started working really hard to find some freelance work, and I knew how to build websites, and I had a partner who I'd built some websites with in the past, And but we didn't have any leads necessarily, but I, like I told my wife, I'd rather be poor. So we just buckled down financially, and I started trying to do freelance. And throughout that time, I had built a side project called Unthirsty with a friend of mine. It was com, and this was in 2005. 2004, 2005. And it was right around when Google first opened up their API to allow people to add their own content on top of a Google Maps. Yeah. And it was like, so we'd created this happy hour finder. And so you could anyone could go in and add a happy hour and it would show up in this database. And it was an early example of using user-generated content with a Google Maps API to create this fun, kind of entertaining website to help you find where the closest $3 cheeseburger was. <laughs> and it was... Just something that we were doing for fun. We didn't monetize it. We just really worked hard at making it awesome. And people saw that and got really excited about it. And we ended up getting invited to interview at this job, this new agency that was starting up in Portland. And they looked at it and they basically offered us a job without us even showing a resume or any other portfolio piece. And they just said, You know, you built this on your own. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. You had no money. No adult supervision, no brand telling you what they needed to convey, and we love that. And yeah. if that's the kind of thing you guys do on your own, what would you do if you actually had a you know money and a budget and a, you know support behind you? We want you to join our team, and we literally went from doing five hundred to a thousand dollar local websites to fifty and a hundred thousand dollar websites for like Burton and Converse and wow. like real brands, and like within just a month or two transition from doing crap work to amazing work. And it was all because we had built these things on the side that we're getting attention. And even though we didn't make any money on Unthirsty, it bought us a tremendous amount of social capital.
1: How did you connect with that company in the first place? Uh, Because it's one thing to build something, it's another thing for someone to stumble across it. Was it something random or anything that you guys did specifically that got that initial meeting and got on their radar?
0: We had a mutual friend, and the mutual friend knew that this company was looking for a Flash developer at the time. Again, this is 2005 or 6 or 7. I can't remember. Yeah. They were looking for a Flash developer, and she's like, I really don't know what Jason does, but you should give him a call. He seems like a smart guy. She was a friend of my wife, so I didn't even know her that well. They gave me a call. I said, well, I'm kind of working on a team. You know, there's this other guy and myself. I said, well, what have you been up to? And I'm like, well, I don't want to show you any of the crap that we've been building, but this on Thirsty site that we've done on the side is pretty fun. Yeah. And they said, well, why don't you come in tomorrow? And so we came in and they basically talked to us for half an hour and then we're like, well, I guess we didn't get the job because they didn't even ask us a single question. (laughs) And at the end, they're like, well, do you want to come back tomorrow and get a job? And like, they were basically pitching us. Wow. And we're like, "Uh, you haven't asked about what we do. And they're (laughs) like, well, we we can see what you do. Right. And it was one of those like, you know, again, it was a friend of a friend, kind of knew what I was doing, knew that I'd done something interesting and wanted to share that. And I always say that, you know, I could never have planned that to happen, but because I was doing something, making something, and it was something that was catching the attention of even my small social circle, Mm -hmm. that social circle was part of something, a larger circle, which then I had that opportunity to connect with.
1: Yeah, I think two great lessons there is one of just be making stuff you know, and you don't know what's going to stick and what's going to land and what's going to connect. But it wasn't that they wanted to see your resume or what is not that they wanted to interview you? It's just they'd seen what you had created. And that spoke for itself. And so in, in any industry, whether it be writing or photography or blogging or video work or, or design or whatever that thing is that you can bring to the table, oftentimes what you produce can speak way louder than what you actually say about what you produce. So continually just making stuff and trying stuff. But then also, it sounds like it was, you know, that initial meeting would have Never happen if you weren't on someone else's radar. Uh, just by connecting and networking with other people and letting them know of who you are and what you do.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And don't be confused. I've probably tried ten other projects that failed that I'll never talk about. You know, their websites are gone. <laughs> you know, Unthirsty wasn't just this one thing I did and that opened up the door. I was just fascinated by the internet and yeah. fascinated by what was possible and. I had no ambition of being an entrepreneur, no ambition of being a startup. I was like, I'm an advertiser. I work in the internet. I love this stuff. I just want to give something back and do something cool. Yeah. And that opened up doors because I wasn't hustling for a job or hustling for money. I was just hustling because I loved it. Yeah. And people could totally sense that right away. Um, And now you can hustle for a job and you can hustle for money. That's not necessarily the bad thing, but my – I really cared about what I was producing with a true intent of like, let's make something awesome and like, let's keep pushing. Yeah. And like, we made this product uh, for Lift Ops, like a ski resort, to give real time feedback of what the snow was. Oh, cool. Because in Portland, we're an hour, a little over an hour away from Mount Hood. And, you know, every day the ski reports are like, oh, it's the most optimistic version <laughs> of the snow in the world. You know, of
1: course. Like, why wouldn't it be?
0: It's pouring rain and it's like, it's warm out. <laughs> And so I was like, you know, what if we hacked Twitter and made these like, you know, airline codes for each mountain and the lift ops could tweet real time conditions. And if people upvoted their conditions, they would get bonuses and we'd like hook up with like manufacturers. I had this whole scheme and it didn't go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) But I tried and I spent a ton of time working on it and penciling out what would happen and talking to people. And it didn't work out but like i learned so much about going through the whole process you know right, right and instead of just watching another episode of you know whatever stupid shows on tv right. i had my pencil and my pad out and we were, i was trying to design a place to provide value right and i think that is what really has always allowed me to like make these odd leaps from one area to another is i go through exercises even when they totally fail right but i'm I get an opportunity to see why they failed and what I could do differently next time.
1: Well, even as you said, you had you know you got ten projects that are lost in the ether that we'll never know anything about, but you got the eleventh one that works, and you don't get to the eleventh one unless you try the first ten, and you just you try things and see what works and what and what doesn't. So, uh, when is it that the you started to get interested in paleo? How'd that come into the picture?
0: Yeah, this was almost exactly six years ago. I think it was in two thousand nine. I lived right next to one of the first CrossFit gyms in Portland. It was the 57th CrossFit gym ever. Wow. And a friend of mine was going to it and he had just gotten incredibly good shape. Yeah. Everyone noticed like, wow, Lee, what have you done? You've transformed yourself. And he's like, I went to this gym. And so I swung by and it seemed really interesting. And so my wife and I started going in January of that year. And one of the things they did right off the bat was do a lot of coaching on nutrition like you know you can't get in great shape if you still eat at McDonald's three to four times a day right so they started teaching on nutrition and part of that was like I learned about paleo for the first time and I'd never heard of it before this was six years ago yeah and I was like that's really interesting that makes a lot of sense I like what the CrossFit's doing from workout perspective and I really like that you know what this food thing is telling me because I'd studied a little bit of nutrition on my own as a hobby but this just was like, yeah, I I totally get this now. My wife and I tried to eat it and it was just spending a lot of time researching, finding recipes, trying to find out, is this ingredient paleo? What is the rules on this? And it was very dogmatic back then. People were very like, this is paleo. This is not. Yeah. And so trying to understand who made up these rules. And basically we just spent about two to three hours a week trying to put together a plan that we could follow that prevent us from buying a bunch of food at the grocery store and then throwing it away because we didn't know what to do with it yeah i got pretty frustrated and i was like you know i'm a web developer i would love it if someone make me a site where i could just buy this you know like my shopping list can look exactly like someone else's shopping list one person can figure this out for a whole bunch of people why don't we make this into a little service We're spending the time already, two and a half hours coming up with a meal plan, shopping list, finding the right recipes, making sure they're good recipes and knowing exactly what to buy. Let's offer that to other people. I'm sure there's other people out there curious. And I kind of saw the business opportunity mingling with an interest of mine. right? Because I guessed that CrossFit was going to explode. I could just tell everyone who was joining was becoming just cultish about it
1: (laughs) yes yes that's what i was gonna say yep
0: (laughs) and this was really early on and crossfit was trademarked you couldn't touch it you couldn't do anything around that name yeah but paleo was just i mean paleo is a word you can't trademark an existing word yeah and i ended up talking with lauren cordain the the doctor who kind of coined the phrase and he gave me his blessing as well because i you know i want to be upstanding but i recognize that if CrossFit was going to explode and they promote paleo. Paleo is going to explode in its wake. Yeah. And it was the only diet I'd ever seen healthy people start eating. Yeah. You know, like I've seen a lot of overweight older people try a bunch of different fad diets, but I've never seen a 25-year-old rip guy change to a diet to make a small improvement in his performance and love it. Right. So I'm like, this is different than a lot of the fad diets. This isn't desperate people looking for a whole new life. This is like everybody is getting success from this.
1: Jump in here. I mean, I've heard of paleo and I've heard, I guess, different variations of it. So uh, catch us up to speed. What exactly is paleo? What can you eat? What can you not eat? How, how does it work?
0: Yeah, from a, I guess, uh, theoretical explanation, the idea is humans have been evolving for a million and a half years, yet agriculture has only been part of our history for the past 10,000 years
1: right
0: so for the past million and a half years we've been eating pretty much very consistently things that naturally occur so fish meat fruits vegetables nuts seeds eggs these are things that an average hunter gatherer would have access to yeah twinkies don't come into the picture until 1940 (laughs) And then
1: things start going off the rails from there.
0: Um, Yeah. And so they really just looked at, you know, there was a huge shift in what people ate around 10,000 years ago with the advent of agriculture when we started domesticating animals for dairy and when we started planting crops and changing the way certain plants grew. And at that point, we started introducing things that maybe aren't as beneficial to the human body. Now, the yeah. human body can eat a lot of different things, but it doesn't necessarily mean it thrives on those things. Right. And so the theory is if we go back to food types that our body has been eating for the entire length of our evolution, we will be healthier. Now, that is a really 10,000-foot, super simplistic view, and that's not exact, but that's a real rough basis. And then paleo comes in and basically creates some guidelines. Now, obviously, we can't eat exactly what people ate 50,000 years ago. Sure. But we can take that theory and say, all right, Doritos aren't really on the menu 10,000 years ago. But most of the things in the produce aisle were on the menu. Yeah, You might have been able to get a little bit of honey, but you certainly weren't sweetening every single thing you ate with a tremendous amount of sweeteners, whether it's artificial or natural. Right there's a limited amount of, you know, access to those things. And so just trying to be a little bit more honest about like, what are the things that our bodies are actually meant to eat? Now there's a lot of people who will argue whether or not gluten sensitivity is real or what difference about grains. And it really just comes down to, there's a lot of people who are eating this way who feel better. And if that's not you, Hey, no problem. Right. But if that is you, it's called paleo, and here's some basically ways to do it. So, the short of it is again meat, fish, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and eggs. Interesting. Um, there are some people who include raw or grass fed dairy, mm-hmm. and that kind of qualifies as primal. But basically, there's just a movement to return to more natural foods, things that you find in the outside of the grocery store and not on the inside in boxes.
1: Gotcha. Makes sense. All right. So you're getting involved in CrossFit. You see this paleo thing starting to creep in and you see the whole tidal wave of this whole industry starting to take off. It's one thing to recognize like, Hey, I like going to CrossFit and, uh, you know, I like doing these workouts and I like eating healthier. It's something totally different to be like, I see an opportunity here. I see where this is going and I want to get ahead of the curve on creating something. So again, I think also it's important to note, like from what you said, you're not like a nutritionist, right? It's not like you're a health expert. It's not like this is what you studied. It's just, this is more kind of a personal interest and a personal like lifestyle change that's had an impact on you and want to be able to share that and simplify it for others. So, where do you even begin to create something that you think will be helpful to others on this this new industry?
0: Yeah. So, the first thing I did is I just started talking to people who knew a lot more about it than I did. Yeah. And there was a guy in Portland who was fairly well known at the time as writing one of the few paleo newsletters. And so I just reached out to him and said, Hey, can you help me get a really firm understanding on this? So I really, I can ask you questions and stuff. And, and again, I had spent, you know, the past couple of years prior, just constantly looking for little opportunities for tools to build, you know, just like, Hey, can we make it easier to find out what the real snow conditions are? Or how do I find out where the local happy hours are? Yeah. So that mentality was already part of what I was doing. I was always looking for What's something that we can build online that makes people's lives better? Mm. So since that was a regular occurring theme in my head, almost everything I encounter runs through that filter, even subconsciously. So this whole paleo thing was like, yeah, there's a business opportunity here. It might be tiny right now, but that's a great time to start. And I was pretty confident that it was going to grow. But I also knew that I could build something very inexpensively and quickly so that my risk was small, even if it failed. So I reached out to this expert, and I paid him $1,000 to create basically some guidelines for me, a bunch of content, some articles, and three weeks of meal plans, shopping lists, and recipes that I could use as my seed content. Yeah. And I spent three weeks just busting my butt to put it all together. I launched the site, and I had no list, no email subscribers or anything. And so I just started using AdWords to send people to the site and show it to them and you know, reach out to people who'd sign up and, like, ask them, like, hey, does this work? Does this? What do you like? What do you not? Thanks for, you know, signing up and um, just started iterating immediately. And so my real out-of-pocket expense, I think, was, like, $1,200 Yeah. in three weeks. So if it totally failed, that's fine. I can handle that. I've already seen failure. It's not that big of a deal, especially when you minimize your costs and time. Right. But it turns out that it caught almost immediately. Now, we didn't explode the way, like, some startups do now um but people found it they liked it and they shared it and it, there was this real slow natural organic growth over the next two years where i just kept investing a little bit of a time while i, I was still doing aside my consulting and freelance work and for a little bit of it, i was working at an agency even but i just kept working on it kept turning the crank and it slowly got to 50 weekly or monthly members and 100 and then 500 and and then we had a 1000 And I was like, wow, this is becoming a real company. This creates real revenue. Yeah. And that's when I decided I was going to quit everything else and just focus on that full time and allow it to grow at whatever speed it, was, it could. But no longer be prohibited by the other projects I had going on right, or right. The, the job I had going on at the time.
1: So, so let, me, let me jump in there. So yeah. you start it and yeah. it's just kind of like, let's take three weeks. Let's try this. Let's put a little bit of money into it. And it sounds like similar to the, you know, the, the happy hour project. It's just more just kind of a, a little weekend project, a little passion project of there's no like grand plan of this is my ticket into the future. This is my ticket away from my day job into my dream job. It's just, I like doing this. So let's just do it. And whatever happens, happens with it. So my assumption would be if you started it and you had 50 members and it only ever had 50 members up and. Until today, you probably for the most part would have still enjoyed it. True?
0: Yeah. And one of the things I learned after about six to nine months was get someone to help you do the parts that you're terrible at. Yeah. Yep. So I was actually able to find a student at the Art Institute of Portland. I had a friend who worked there and he introduced me to this student. And she was working at a subway and she was really talented. She knew how to code. She was a good designer. She was really, really smart and hardworking. But she hadn't graduated yet. So she was working at a subway. And I'm like, hey, would you I'll pay you three dollars more than Subway's paying Subway you? Subway wages, yeah. If you can come over and help me just do these things that I'm not very good at. Yeah. Nor do I enjoy and want to learn how to be good at. And she was stoked because she was at least doing something in her career, right? She wasn't graduated yet, she didn't have a career yet, but she was getting closer and this was at least real experience, even if it wasn't necessarily that exciting or yeah. glamorous. And so she was really stoked. And as soon as she took off some of those really annoying things that I was bad at off my plate, a huge explosion of creativity and inspiration and energy came back into it. And I suddenly had you know all these more ideas, and the company started growing faster. And that was one of those things where I learned, let other people help you make this awesome. And I always joke, if it wasn't for the fact that I was so lazy, Paleo Plan never would have become as great. Because I really took myself out of the places where I wasn't able to do a very good job. And I put people who loved doing that in. Even if they only worked for four hours a week, I found someone who was really awesome at doing that one task. And they did it excellently. And it made it so much better that the whole project got better. The whole company got better. So I don't know if I – six years later, if it had never grown more than 50 people, I would probably have people in place to help it be better. Yeah. But I would still like – the process of creating something and providing value. How long did it take before you hired her? I think it was like 6 to 9 months.
1: Yeah. So and, and then, I, you said even then that like fast forward that it was 2 years before you were able to quit your job and do the paleo plan full time, right?
0: Yeah, not quite 2 years. A year Oh, gosh, was it a year and a half or two and a half years? <laughs> I, I mean, the point, the point being, it's, it's not
1: like, you know, I started this and next week I can quit my job. It's like, it's a, it's a labor of love, you know, and I'm, I'm building something and it's six to nine months in before I can, you know, bring someone else that can help me. And even then, I, I assume, you know, you may be making a little bit, but it's nothing like game changing. And then, you know, another six or nine months later, then I can actually quit my job and start to really focus on this. And it's just a, it's a long time to get something up and running. And so some of it's just that persistence of just sticking with it because you it sounds like early on you recognize that we've got something here i know this thing works uh we just we have to keep feeding it and allowing it to grow and become what it will
0: that's exactly right that's exactly right i have a lot of friends who you know obviously they see the end result but had no idea how long i worked on it and how many evenings and weekends you know i was trying to figure things out and solve things in the margins of my time and then then it became something people knew about, you know? Yeah. And my timing was also incredibly fortuitous. Like, I was very fortunate to hear about what I did. I was very fortunate to have the experience that I did and to see the opportunity I did because paleo really did explode yeah. over the course of that five years. So, unquestionably, it helped that my company got big because it became a well-known lifestyle.
1: But at the same time, like, like time. I, yeah, I think people could say, like, well, you know, Jason was just right place, right time, he got lucky. No, no, you, you didn't get lucky. You're just paying attention, you know? And I think that's something that most people miss is like, I'm waiting for my lottery ticket to come in. And so for me to get lucky, it's like, no, you don't can't wait f- to get lucky. You have to just pay attention to what's going on around you. And so yeah, you were you weren't lucky to see it. You were just paying attention and notice something that was on the horizon of what was coming.
0: Oh, it's nice if we just say I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean it, it is, right? You know, I mean there's plenty of ways where you could discredit it and be like yeah you were in the right place right time but you took action on being in the right place right time
0: and i think the biggest thing is just taking action yeah i know a lot of people who even when presented with some pretty good opportunities talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and read a bunch of blogs and watch a bunch of podcasts i was like no no turn all that shit off and just start making something for three weeks right right throw it away at the end if you need to who cares yep but make something
1: and you mentioned this earlier too, of this is something we talk a lot about on the show is we look at like the A to Z spectrum of a career and we look at Z. Z is sexy. You know, you built a business and then you sold part of it and that's the sexy part. That's the glamorous part, but you don't see the ABC of the busting your butt on, you know, nights and weekends and turning off the TV and just doing what you need to do to get something built and something up and running. And A, B and C, that's not glamorous. That's not sexy at all. But you have to go through that in order to get to a point where you're in a position to be able to sell part of your company.
0: Yeah, you said it all. Thank you.
1: (laughs) So you uh, you create Paleo Plan, build it up over a couple years, recently sold part of it. And then let's transition here to what you have built today. Tell us about your new operation factory.
0: Yeah, we learned a ton selling digital content at PaleoPlan. By the end we'd written a print book and it was actually the second print book I'd had a chance to write for a major publisher. We'd written a couple of ebooks and obviously we would sold the premise of PaleoPlan is we had a weekly meal plan service where we sent you PDFs of shopping list meal plans and recipes every week for $10 a month. Yeah. So we learned a lot about selling digital content, memberships, to print books, to ebooks, and we did a lot of really interesting promotional methods that helped us get our products in front of people or sell other people's products to our audience. And I saw there's some really clever people out there: Nathan Berry, Pat Flynn. They're doing some really awesome things with their content, but it tends to revolve around their name. Right. Their name is really the strength of their brand. Right. And one of the things that I knew with Paleo Plan was. PaleoPlan wasn't my life's work, so I didn't want to be tied to it or its success to be tied to me, as well as I'm not a you know nutrition therapist. We brought one on who is amazing, and she was kind of the face of the company, yeah. but I've always kind of wanted to keep a little bit of distance between what I'm building and who I am because I might change my mind in a couple of years and want to do something different, and that allows me to gracefully exit and put someone else in place who knows more than I do and what it needs then. I really like building way more than maintaining. Yeah. So, with Factory, I didn't want to build a brand around Jason Glasby that is like, "Hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this." But I knew too much about selling digital content to just like create a startup about, you know, calculators or something. Right. You know, after a lot of kind of searching, I kind of found this idea of like, well, let's make a digital publishing company. Let's take everything we know about creating content. You know, I, I worked for magazines. I have background in English and journalism. I'm I'm very comfortable with the editorial process. I'm also very comfortable putting something together and like start to finish creating a website and an ebook and a sales page. So let's create a whole bunch of content. Let's create a lot of products. Let's create something that's awesome over and over and over again. And let's create it on, around one vertical of customers so that we can Make something awesome that they love. And the more we make, the more they trust us, the more they're likely to buy from us. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the idea behind Factory. And, you know, we're approaching it a lot of different ways. In some cases, we're a traditional publishing company where we work with authors, and we do a lot of the work to help them just be good at being an expert at that topic. Yeah. Not a lot of authors know how to create a landing page or how to A-B test an email message. We know that. So let us help you do that. You be good at this one topic. Right. So in some cases we do that, you know, we're just a traditional publishing company working with authors to create products and we're also making our own products in-house, you know, working with contract writers and editors to make our own products that we're really proud of that we can sell as our own and test things, try things, right. prove these models over and over. And then we're also looking at producing like blog content, you know, making really interesting evergreen content that lives on the web that helps people so that we kind of own the whole ecosystem of people come to us for daily content they come to us for ebooks that help them and you know who knows maybe we'll make physical products or software or apps or something in the future but yeah i really love making new products and then getting them to the hands of people who also love them so well, just i want to do that more
1: well one of the things i really like about your your story and journey and you kind of alluded to this earlier was you know you never felt like paleo plan was your, was your life's work you know what you did there has helped set you up for what you're doing today. And so I think that's important for a lot of people to recognize is, you know, I think for maybe our, parents, our grandparents even, they came into work with the mentality of you find one thing and that's what you do for the rest of your life. You know, you work in a factory or whatever the career is for your entire career. I think most of us, like we have different evolutions of life. And so, you know, for, it sounds like you're still into paleo and still, you know, part of your own personal lifestyle, but it's not the type of thing you want to do for the next 30 years. So you do this thing, you do it for, you know, six, seven, eight years, and then it transitions in whatever format, and then you move on, you do something different. And so allowing people to, uh, I guess. Take some of the pressure off and feeling like I need to know today what I'm doing for the rest of my life. You don't, you know, (laughs) start with create 11 different projects, one of them's gonna stick for you, one of them's gonna work, and see where that takes you. And then once that goes somewhere, then you can take the next step into whatever that thing is. But so much of it just again comes back to just starting somewhere instead of waiting for all of the stars to magically align and everything to work out.
0: Yeah. I have a friend who, really smart guy, runs a business with a retail store and an online and sells on Amazon. And he has like several different irons in, this, in the fire around this, his one brand. And he was talking, we were looking at an opportunity that seemed pretty good. And he's like, you know, I'm just nervous. You know, it's great right now, but what happens three years from, that, from now when that opportunity closes? Yeah. And I was just like, Well, you find another opportunity. (laughs) And it sounds so simple. He has this kind of mentality of like, there's a scarcity to opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And that is just fundamentally different than how I think it's like, oh, there's an opportunity. Take it. Right. right. Because three years from now, maybe I'll have made $100,000 and that's so much better than not taking it because it might dry up in three years. Right. Right. Like, what would you rather have $100,000 and no more or just talk about how it's not going to be any good in four years? Right.
1: Well, we've all had those moments where you see something out there and you're like, ah, I totally thought of that idea. well, it's still worthless then if you didn't do anything with it. You know, and again, paleo is a good example of that. Something that was a very hot trend. And, you know, you, again, I I like to go back to that. I don't think you're lucky at all. You're paying attention and hey, there's an opportunity coming by. So hop on that opportunity and it may be a huge success or maybe a huge flop. But again, you don't know unless you're, you're willing to give it a shot. So Jason, really good stuff, man. Hey, if we want to find out more about you, if we want to check out the paleo stuff or the fact stuff or more about who you are what you're up to where can we go
0: yeah so a paleo site is paleoplan.com it's still a great great service like i said i'm still involved in finding me at twitter is always a really easy place at jason glasby and our first ebook out of factory is called ultimate unofficial dropbox guide we help people figure out how to use dropbox like a pro you can find that at ultimatedropboxguide.com.
1: Beautiful. Well, I'm a, a personal a huge Dropbox fan and user. So we run our business through Dropbox. So I'll definitely have to check that out. So we'll link up to all that stuff in the show notes as well. So people will definitely need to stop by and check that out. So Jason, appreciate the time man. really enjoy the chat. We'll catch up with you again soon.
0: Thank you so much, Grant. Appreciate it. Be on.
1: All right. Really good stuff there from Jason Glassby of uh, Paleo Plan and Factory. Some of the new uh, stuff that he's up to there with digital marketing and publishing. So good stuff. I hope you enjoyed that. Hopefully that was encouraging and inspiring to you. As always, feel free to stop by GrahamBaldon.com. You can check out the links, show notes, anything that we discuss. It's all going to be there. We've got something new coming to you next week with the show notes that I'm excited to share with you. So I'm just going to tease you with a little bit of that. You'll hear more about that uh, next week, but be on the lookout for that, my friends. Hey, as always, feel free to email me, grant at Anytime that you're pondering, wrestling, chewing on something that I can help you with or just want to kick around, you just need uh, someone's two cents. Feel free to email me. We'd love to hear from you. Anything that I can do to help you, support you on your journey to find and do work you love. I'm in. I'm all about you. So let me know what I can help you with. Also, you can feel free to hit me up on Twitter at grantbaldwin. would love to uh, chat and connect with you there. Hey, one final thing I would love for you if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Whatever you're listening to this episode right now, uh, there's probably a subscribe button somewhere near you. So uh, push that button. That way you never miss out on any of the episodes that we have coming at you. We would love for you to help other people to find the show, helps us to rank within iTunes and, and all that jazz. Plus, most importantly, I don't want you to miss out on any episodes. we got good stuff coming to you. And I don't want you to look back up months or weeks or years later and be like, oh, man, look at all this goodness that I've missed out on. Ah. I don't want you to do that. Don't be that guy, all right? So just hit subscribe so you never miss out. All right, I think that wraps up this episode, boys and girls. Thanks for hanging out with us. We will be coming at you again in a few days. Peace.
0: Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.